Hello everyone, welcome to episode 81 of Jen and Millie, where a Gen Xer and a millennial share the strength-based perspective through which they view the world. We are your hosts, Allison and Tess. Hi Tess, look how I absolutely honored the introduction without going off script. Um, I'm very proud of myself. I am so proud of you. I'm using my communication in new, new ways. Yay. Yay. That's awesome. Yeah. It's good to see you. It was so fun to be together last episode. That seems like forever and a day ago. Um, That's the last one we recorded was when you were here um, in my apartment. So, so weird. I was like, I haven't seen you forever. (laughs) I've had lots of further conversation. I want you to know about what you shared regarding bookends and um, memory and Mm. I've, I've been thinking about that a lot and actually took some application of it to say, I have to do some stretching to, to stop walking the same path over and over to mm. stop, um, doing the same things. Because if I want to have diverse experiences, which is where I am in my season and stage of life, mm-hmm. I will probably have to make some choices to create new endeavors. Yeah. And we talked about how hard choices going to be right now that this time frame may be harder than the beginning of pandemic. Mm-hmm. But also I'm starting to come to recognize where it bumps up against my strengths or even could be a watch out of my mm. strengths. Sometimes, and I don't know that we think about this very often, but when our strengths are under pressure or overwhelmed or in a completely new circumstance, mm-hmm. they may look like lesser talents. Absolutely. And they can get in our way. Mm -hmm. And I'm learning that that some of my strengths are um, maybe getting in the way a little bit because of familiarity. Yeah. Because of routine, because of, well, I've always done it. Because you have high discipline, (laughs) higher discipline than we usually acknowledge. (laughs) And a little bit of a, Mm -hmm. I mean, to be humble. A little bit of, Mm. this is worked, so why would I change it? Mm. True. Yeah, it's achieved, it's it's gotten you to success, right? And that's the point of strengths is there are talents that position us to be successful at whatever we try to tackle. And so if you've been able to be successful, yeah, why would you change? I mean, my context is like, obviously, right? Like the age old idiom, like don't reinvent the wheel. The wheel has already been created, right? It's proven successful. So use it. I uh, no need to change everything just to change everything. So yeah. I think my wheels have fallen off. I think that's what's happened. So today we want to talk about a couple, um, what I would call what we've learned in nuances of strengths, Mm -hmm. but maybe some humble admission as to what we learned about strengths. Absolutely. Like strengths. Yeah. So strengths, I think that's a good description. Yeah. What we've learned recently about strengths, because I think people also in a very humble way, look to us as people who've done this for a while, right? People who kind of know their stuff, right? Like I just got done teaching the last Strengths 201 class and it still is mind boggling to me that I get to teach others about strengths, like that I know so much that I get to teach others, you know? And so I think the the assumption, right, for people who have coaching certification or years of experience or are the ones that get to lead when it comes to strengths, the assumption is that they know everything, right? The assumption is that, that they know their stuff, they know all the definitions they know how the theme blends work and the domains and and they know everything about their own themes right and 
that cannot be more false, right? We are on a continual learning path, right? The raw versus mature spectrum is a lifelong journey to get to a place of maturity with using our talent themes and understanding the themes of other people. Um, And so I'm excited to talk a little bit about ways that I think you're, something you've learned recently is about your own strengths, something I've learned recently is a little bit about my own strengths, but biases that I've realized and recognized I've had about other strengths. And so I'm excited to talk about that um, and uh, dig into it. So here's what we've learned about our strengths recently. So one of the things that I've been doing this year that's very different for me, but also honoring of my word of the year muse is I am writing a music newsletter weekly on Sundays. (laughs) And I have been, first of all, I'm utilizing a, a platform called Canva. I don't even know what I'm doing. And I'm placing content in it and pictures okay. and graphics. And I'm, I'm basically putting together yep. a newsletter. It's about three pages, and it's, it highlights a music memory or a thought. It highlights a Spotify playlist. It highlights something that I'm listening to on my turntable. It highlights a music venue, a way to support musicians. And then usually, like, the last feature is called Shake Your Tambourine. It's, like, something that people have shared with me. <laughs> okay, I'm just I have to do a quick sidebar to laugh because you're like I'm using something called Canva. I don't even know. That's how I do all the posts for Jenna Millie. Like it's a very common site, and it's actually Canva? all the back end of how I make this possible. <laughs> just funny. Just Circle another makes like, a square. Yo. I had no idea. It's a good thing you know how to do it because I don't. But one of the things the sociologist in me is I send it out to um, I send an email to a large group of people and said, do you want to receive this? Those who said yes, I've been sending it to them. But then Mm -hmm. when I ask them questions, they're, of course, very likely to respond. When I ask them to respond to me, like take a poll. And I tried to clarify this last time that I'm asking that not just the social survey researcher in me, but that I truly want to know. I want to know them better. These are people I know, but I want to know them better through Mm -hmm. the lens of music. So I work on it during the week, like come up with ideas. And this week I'm going to talk about new, like the phrase new and EW because new is not always born on date. So I've this last year, there's a lot of new to me music that has come my way. Sure. Yeah. And new, new is relative because new to me could be something from 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So new is relative as when it becomes fresh to you. It could also be a new take that you have on something. And it could also be a familiar normalcy that you now have or behavior that you now have in a new container. So on that same sort of stage, I am realizing that my strengths can often get in my way. And because I've used them the same way for so long, and on repeat and over and over and over, I have a tendency to not see them in the nuances that they could bring. So a bump that I'm running into, as most of you know that have listened to us, this is a grand adventure that I'm on to move (laughs) a state away from home when I've never been more than two hours from home. And I think I talked about it last time, how Mm -hmm. awkward it is for me to go to the grocery store because I don't know my way around. When I came home and and we did the last Jenna Mm -hmm. Millie, like I can drive around Papillion and know every side street, know where to go, know where to go in Hy-Vee, know what time things are open. I have Mm -hmm. none of that here. No familiarity. Zip. Mm -hmm. And my input does not like it. It's not comfortable in it. It doesn't like it. It's not, 
So what you would assume would be, Allie's going to go seek and find. I was going to say like a curiosity to gather new information or new resources. The the input plus Mm -hmm. strategic in me has known a path and likes the path. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to use that path that I know and I like and just kind of keep doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. I'm also starting to realize, and this is probably where it goes a little bit deeper and a little more vulnerable, is that for the majority of my life, I have relied on asking the opinions along with input, asking the opinions of others to make my decisions. Mm -hmm. I have never made a decision without gathering significant input. Input Mm -hmm. plus communication means I talk it out and I get feedback from people because I really feel like I don't know what to do or I don't Mm -hmm. know what I'm doing. So the journey here, move here, get here, everything falls together so seamlessly that once I got here, I now am feeling input plus woo plus communication plus empathy plus strategy, all of them. Yeah. I almost have decision paralysis. Mm-hmm. I have yet to choose furniture. I've been here since October. I have yet to choose furniture because I'm afraid to make the wrong decision. But I'm also kind of getting into this pathway of, I don't need to ask anybody's permission for anything anymore. I'm on my own. I'm doing my own thing. I'm just fine. Mm -hmm. But I also am learning the opinions, the weight in which other people's opinions have been given in my life Mm -hmm. is heavy. And I am really learning that that's not always serving me well. I think and that's an underrated blend that we don't talk about a whole lot is that input woo, right? Because input loves to gather perspectives, gather opinions. And then woo is the fact that what other people matter and what other people think about you, what they say, what matters to them matters to you. And so yes. the fact that that's, that's blended together, I don't think I realized the weight of that blend before and probably... You didn't realize it, right? Because you had it around you. It was normative for you. And so to have that removed pretty starkly is interesting. Hmm. Removed by by space and time and distance, but mm-hmm. also by choice. So I've been mm-hmm. hurt by, um, in a couple difficult conversations recently, I have discovered that uh, side conversations about me, which are uh, what I'm learning is kind of harsh and judgmental, I... I just don't, I don't feel that that's fair. And it just Uh -uh. frankly pissed me off. And so what I did with it was, you know what? I just really, if this is how these people are going to give input, I just am not going to give them information anymore. (laughs) And I can figure this out. I mean, for goodness sake, I can figure things out. Yeah, you can. But what I'm learning is the heaviness of I got to figure things out without relying on other people's opinions and mm-hmm. also the weight of the responsibility of my choice has helped me to see that there are some there are some places that input communication strategic will and empathy can get in my way. And when a strength is not being used with intention, when it's just on autopilot, mm-hmm. and that's where I was, autopilot. Mm-hmm. When it's not used with intention, it can look like a weakness or a lesser talent. When it's overwhelmed or under pressure, or if you're in a place of heart hurt, Mm -hmm. a strength that's in your top five that's a superpower can Can become a lesser lesser talent. talent. Yes. Okay, so I love this distinction, and it's actually one of the areas of divergence and disagreement I have with Gallup is that, you know, Gallup calls your bottom 
five to ten or so wherever you draw that line they call them your lesser talents and they're starting to call them your weakness they're starting to use that word um but I have always actually very much agreed when I coach people on their full 34 I actually call the bottom set your limitations because if you use them even in the best of ways you're not going to get the best of you the people who are asking that of you are not going to get the best of you and you're going to become disengaged and disgruntled um your actually biggest barriers your biggest potential roadblocks your biggest potential blind spots are your dominant talents in the basement when you're not using them well when they are getting in the way of your success and so learning to identify your basements of your dominant themes i actually think is a much more helpful practice to people in terms of personal development than identifying and naming your technical lesser talents your bottom set of your 34 and i've had that question posed to me recently i mean with the language of what is a weakness Mm-hmm. And essentially a weakness is anything that gets in the way of our productivity and our Absolutely. well-being or yep. the productivity and well-being of others, mm-hmm. those around us. And when I think about how in not positive light, not positive use, not positive relationships, those top five basements can become even more toxic. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. so not only was I hurt by the fact that I've been garnering opinions of others and it's not been maybe treated with the trust that I was expecting, but Mm -hmm. also that toxicity, I was sharing that too. Like when I'm saying, gosh, I really have to have your opinion on this and so reliant on it, that's not allowing some, that's not honoring. Mm -hmm. That's me in the, what I would call the, the, the best of me and my lesser talents. I can't manufacture self-assurance. I can't, I can't just drop it, find it, just be confident. Mm-hmm. Boy, Allison, you just be, you need to be confident. Step into your power, step into your light, stop playing small. All these things that I've heard, which I know, it doesn't come naturally to me. I can't just make it up. Mm-hmm. So when I use input communication, strategic woo and empathy in healthy, productive, honest, intentional ways, I'll get that, yeah. but it has to be on my terms. Mm-hmm. And that, that's just been kind of a, I w- what I would call a humility check in my own strengths journey that's recently. Good. And then I do want to recognize and, and maybe just even give permission to our listeners who know me and have seen me present time and time again, and this for sure to you, Tess, I say the same things. I tell the same stories. Mm-hmm. I say the same things. <laughs> and I got stuck in that recently because it was brought to my attention that I do that. And it wasn't gonna be good enough anymore for me to keep doing that. Mm. A a shtick, so to speak, you know, like you get into your routine. Mm -hmm. If you're a comedian, like Jim Gaffigan's a great example of this. He does the (laughs) Hot Pockets thing way too long and way too much. It's like, you've spent all your stuff, Jim. Yeah, all of your Hot Pocket capital is gone. Yeah, and now you're on CBS Sunday morning and nobody's laughing anymore. But (laughs) what I realize is, if I really want to get better, grow, be a better version of myself, as I always say, I have to get out of the routine and the redundancy and the same old input communication strategic woo empathy looks like this. Mm. So get, diving in deeper to say, okay, I am terrified to make a decision on a piece of furniture because I'm afraid I'm going to do the wrong thing is not the practice of growth mindset, which is what I teach. Mm-hmm. No. Because so what? If it's if it doesn't fit, 
you take it back. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the pressure I put on myself, which is a problem. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a narrative. It's a, it's a watch out, but the pressure I put on myself in perfection is ridiculous. I recently did a, and you'll love this with your Enneagram work. I did an assessment called, I think it's called positive intelligence. Okay. And you name your saboteur. <laughs> and I mean, this makes all kinds of sense. Mm-hmm. My saboteur is people pleasing. Mm-hmm. I'm a people pleaser, mm-hmm. which aligns really well with Enneagram two aligns yep. really well with, um, type two mm-hmm. aligns really well with, um, your will Woo empathy yep. blend. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So my watch out the best of me also has a watch out that is my saboteur. Yeah, for sure. We don't talk about that because that would not be the warm, fuzzy Allie's always going to say, we don't need to call them weaknesses. Yeah. Well, maybe I do. We need to identify where our strengths cause barriers, roadblocks, and they have the propensity to lead us to those areas of weaknesses, right? Because we can't mitigate or we can't avoid weaknesses if we don't identify what they are in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. just, yeah. So, yeah. Agreed. (laughs) Agreed. I love that. That's such good work. So I think today we're kind of walking through the, our own recognition that we're not experts in this yet. That yeah. we're always learning, that we're always applying, that we're, as teachers, learners, mm-hmm. along with whoever happens to be the student in the room. But I know that you've had some, you've gleaned some mm-hmm. insight on that lately, too. Yeah, I have. And this is going to be very hard to discuss, which is why I need to discuss it here. So I need to just, like, pretend it's just you and me, which is what I always feel. But when it's something hard and feels vulnerable for me, um, it... Um, I get reminded of our statistics now when people listen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't look at those. So I, I know don't look you at don't. those anymore. And because you you don't look at them because you don't have access to it, and you didn't know we did Canva either. So really, you just show up and talk. So <laughs> that's strengths in action. There you go. <laughs> oh my gosh, true, <laughs> very true. Um, but I will say I am so proud of you. I was the tech issue in the green room. I just want to say that today that we were setting up, and Allie got the Zoom link out so we could see each other. She got her Bluetooth headphones all set up. You got your Yeti mic all set up, like everything down to the point. And I couldn't hear her, and it was my own fault this time. And everything worked. And when I could hear you, when I got everything set up correctly on my end, yours was perfect. So. I'm I just want to, I want to give public recognition for that because I feel like you talk about Allie fails all the time. So let's talk about Allie's successes right here, right now. Today was the day. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. So, okay. So I, I'm a totally like a Curtly's Fold fan and I believe that we should learn to love all 34 themes, right? Like that's the goal. And I think I can describe and build up other people's themes in a way that makes them love it and makes it seem like I love it. But I have recognized lately that I have several extreme, not extreme, several like for me extreme, several theme biases where I think that how that theme functions is less than others. Um, how other theme functions. And wow, and that, that has been really, say. really hard to acknowledge. Um, and it is 100% based on how I function in relation to those themes. And so, and so I just want to like publicly say that, like I can talk and I can describe these themes and I love people with this one specific instance. Like I love people with this theme, um, but I have been, I think, burned by it a little bit in the past. And it's not how I like to receive or I prefer to receive as well as give love. Um, and so mm. surprise, surprise. I'm like, I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but it is the theme of consistency. 
And um, I realized that I had a pretty significant theme bias against it. And I can describe consistency. I can talk about how it's about fairness and justice and equity. You just and it's, on it. I just taught on it on Friday. Yes. I just taught on it on Friday. And then Trisha was a guest on our 201 call today and she talked about it, right? Okay, so I can teach about it as if it seems like I love it, right? But it was actually during, um, during the um, Friday call where I real during when I taught on it for our lunch and learn where I realized that I have bias against this when I was talking about the comparison with consistency and individualization Mm -hmm. and I talked about how and it's because I have high individualization that I have bias against this I was talking about how people with high consistency you know show up in the same way will give like consistent gifts. Like I know I've talked on the pod before about Micah's example, Micah from Gallup, her example of her two grandmas and one that hunts the whole year for the perfect unique gift for each grandkid and one that gives a crisp $5 bill to every grandkid. And like, I don't think I ever put it into these words, but I put it into these words on the Lunch and Learn that both of those love each grandkid equally, that that is the best way that they can show up in love for both of their grandkids. And I think it like clicked something in me because I do have gifts as one of the higher love languages for me because I love Mm -hmm. to give unique gifts. So I when I get the perfect gift from someone, I know like how much thought and intention went into that. So gifts like quality time is highest, but gifts is usually second for me um, when it comes to love languages. And so when I get a gift that is not well thought out, that is not the, and I have received several and I don't want to name names on this podcast because people in my community have started to listen. So I have received gifts. No, it's not you. Um, You gave me RBG pencils, which I still use that say descent on them and a globe for goodness sakes. Like you are not, you have not, not given, and you also have high individualization, but I've been the recipient of gifts that it almost, it makes me question whether or not that person knows me, right? And that's where the bias comes in, right? I feel like it's a lesser form of love. And that's just an example of in gifts, but in all spaces, right? If they don't show up in the way that I need them to show up, even if it's like on me that I didn't communicate to them that I needed them to show up in that way, right? It really is on me for lack of expectation setting with the people in my life, right? If like I'm going through a hard time, please show up, even though I'm going to push you away, right? Like someone should be communicating that, but like I should be not someone, I should be communicating that if that's what I need for my people. But like the lags, So if I get a gift that I don't receive well or they don't show up how I need them to show up, if they don't, like quality time is big. So if I see like an unequal, what I perceive to be an unequal distribution of time and like not an unequal, I would say an equitable distribution of time. So if I'm really hurting, in my mind, I should be receiving more time than other people in your life. Or if I'm doing fine, then it's fine that you give more time to the other people that are struggling. But if I need you, I need you. Um, You know, that sort of thing, which is like, so I'm realizing this as I'm teaching on consistency, right? That did like, you, did you yeah. feel it? Okay, so this is the teacher in me wanting to note this because I think I've talked about this here when I had that moment of recogni- recognition and um, startling recognition within myself when I was teaching on growth versus fixed. Did yep. you, can you look back I, in the recording and see it? I don't know. Would I you be able to note it? Could I, you feel it in your body? I would, I would be able to know. I would be able to feel it. Like I felt it in my body. So I'm sure if I watched back, I would be able to identify when that happened. But a lot of it too, like, so I give the example in the lunch and learn about my dad and his high consistency. And that like really clicked for me too, because I've been like, you know, I've described on here one of my 10 things about me is that I'm the middle of the middle of the middle. And so one of the narratives 
Once I realized that, one of the recent narratives, life-limiting narratives I've uncovered, which I don't think I've shared with you yet, um, is that being the middle means your second choice. So I am, yes, always the second choice, right? Like second choice for everything, right? Like, you know, again, I'm not going to provide examples because some of them are really fresh and people listen that I know. But like very recently, there have been examples of not being first choice, like someone else in community being preferred, um, which is really hard for me. But that is a narrative behind my middle mediocrity narrative, right? Which could be assumed test to be competition in you. And I want to name this right now because oh, that's good. I am so thinking about all the times in which those of us on staff have seen you in a moment and said, oh my gosh, where's competition for tests? Where we assume it's a strengths thing, that it's not. It's about the self-limiting narrative. Yep, that for gets sure. In the way. Yeah, so, so have to be first place because I don't want to reiterate the fact that I am second choice. Yeah, I will make myself first choice. Yeah, yep. Because I have the, those are the contexts in which I have the agency to be first place because in other areas of my life, I'm second. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Isn't this crazy? <laughs> like, but, oh. But what I think is hard. so important, it is mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. It is hard, but we're getting at two really big points here in a very healthy way. One, we show up with our strengths. So recently I was doing a strengths exercise and one add-on piece I said is not only do I want you to strength spot, you know, this individual or we're going to practice strength spotting together. I said, I want you to notice where your strengths are showing up in this activity. Like, what are you feeling? Like, just like judge nothing and observe everything. What are you feeling? So I think about like in a certain activity, if I don't get to use my voice, my strengths are saying, this is bullshit. I didn't get to talk. That's me showing up with my filter. Mm-hmm. You are going to show up with your filter to every single experience. So you're showing up with your your narrative filter, but you're mm-hmm. showing up with your strengths filter really naturally. So I think that's important to know. And that's hard yeah. work to do because we don't get to address things until we name them. For sure. Secondly, you are alluding to what we know to be a, a, a very significant problem in our world, which is implicit bias. Mm-hmm. That we... This is low level naming of this. Okay. Well, we can do it from the lens of let's talk about a strength. Mm -hmm. It is everywhere. It is part of how our brains work. Our brains Mm -hmm. want to sort information and we do have implicit bias. I've talked about mine many times over the years and it was based on me being a tutor for sociology 101 at at Dome College for a group of people that I thought, you got to be kidding me if you need a tutor Mm -hmm. for social 101. Are you doing? And I yep. still to this day have a bias have to acknowledge yep. that bias. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, Allison, you have already a bad attitude about why, how this person got to show up. Because my narrative about second choice is I had to work harder for this than you. And why do I have to work harder? And just because you are good at, you get to do that mm-hmm. yep. without the same amount of work. Yeah. So I, and I thought about this actually Tess, during your teaching on Friday, because my kid's dad has consistency and I started thinking about like, I could name all the times he was inconsistent. Hmm. I, I immediately went to 
well, he's not really using it the right way. We all have bias. Yeah, right. Okay. And we so, all have yeah. crap we bring in. Yep. But naming it is the hard work. Is un- Yeah, and I did not, right? Okay, so here's a reason why it was functioning implicitly and I didn't realize it. So that's a, you know, a, I did not realize I had a theme bias against consistency because I can teach on it and I can share about it and I can talk about the benefits of it. And I have great examples. Like Trish is an incredible example of really high consistency um, and, and how great and beautifully it functions to benefit people and I know the power that it can have but I have kind of been burned by it in the past and um, number one so that lived experience but then number two having such high individualization I have built up positive bias towards that right which it's sad that we have to like qualify positive bias as positive right because bias is just a you know uh, uh in inner working right of who we are and so it can be positive or negative but it's conflated with negative bias now and prejudice but um but you know i have a positive bias towards individualization and towards people who have it now um you know and i've recognized that i'm like the people that i feel most loved around like if I were to be able to like try and measure that feeling and rate who I feel the most loved around are people that all have very high individualization because I feel honored in my uniqueness and I feel like people like to me that's an an identifier of whether or not someone knows me and but not everyone's wired that way and that's the thing I'm like I am mad at myself that I have this prejudice against like consistency because and because showing up in a consistent way is the best way that they can love other people. It is the most honoring way that they can love other people based on how they're wired. The fact that they're not loving me in my unique situation, not customizing their approach or catering how they relate to me in a specific way. They relate to everyone the same way. They approach everyone the same way. You know, like the fact that they're not doing that does not mean that they love me less, right? Or they appreciate me less or that they respect me less, right? It's because that they're wired actually in a way to say, I'm going to treat you the same way I treat other people because that's my driver. Even though I may love you. The most loving way that they show up. The most loving way that they show up. And I said that and I'm, of course, I'm teaching this and it's like hitting me and like, the pit of my stomach and I'm like I don't believe this I know this to be true I can share and teach that it's true but I don't know this in my own experience and in my own spirit and so that was like gut-wrenching for me and it just made me like so sad for all the people that have consistency in my life like high consistency I'm like I don't feel like I loved them in a great way because it never felt like they loved me back in the same way, right? And I'm talking about like love is like a very like overarching thing, right? So like right. my love for my coworker, Trisha, right? Like I might not have been right. able to love her back in the same way because it didn't, you know, which is not the case. And I know she loves me. So it's like, no, I love her and it's great. But like I've had to pick up, you know, I've had to understand and realize and like reflect now on people that I know in my life that have high consistency or that, um, that I would speculate would have high consistency and realize that it was like, that was my own projection of not feeling known because you didn't customize your approach to me because I see love as customization and catering because of my individualization, right? So recognizing that those people in my life, like it doesn't mean that they love me less, like that's actually their best way of loving me, right? And in most of my- Mm-hmm. Think about back to some of the really early activities that we did to make strengths come to life. So think about the activity where we would write our name um, as many times as we could, 
you know, mm-hmm. in 20 seconds and then go to our non-dominant hand and write one of my faves and, and yep. what that felt like and how much, how much harder it was to make something even look like my signature. Um, it's using a less dominant hand when we try to love. And I like that you're using that word. I wrote a probably not to be published blog post that I pub- published and even went as far as to share. Um, about love, because I, I think that love is a is a term that we all could use a little bit more of mm-hmm. because it's and it's it's not necessarily romantic love or not necessarily mm-hmm. you know familial love, but just the way that we love on people. Mm-hmm. You and I believe that the best way to do that is to see them and honor them for their uniqueness, yep. which may mean that they show up completely differently to the table than the way we do. 100% right and that's the that's the thing that's like the linchpin like I realized when during this time that I define love I operationalize the concept of love by whether or not someone knows me fully and authentically like the concept of being known to me is what love is I real like realize this sounds like so esoteric I realized that love means history but like that's like for me I was like I realized that like when people like even people that I like that I like love and I get along with and I appreciate being around like if they don't know like everything about me there's always a little bit of like questioning I'm like even like with you like I love you Allie but I'm like you don't know everything about me there are very few people that I even let into that space right right? of like that's having high relator right but like so to me like the more that you know me and the more that you respond to me out of your knowledge of me like respond to you out of the knownness that's between us right like to me that is more and more evidence of like, okay, so if you're responding in that way, then you know me, you know, and then it just kind of like escalates and I feel valued and appreciated and respected and loved, right? Like, so like all of those things through the concept of if you really know me, right? Um, And so the fact that like consistency people don't respond out of knownness, right? They respond from this place of equality. They respond from this place of fairness, right used to be called fairness and so but again because that's how I define love right for me what I realized and what I had to acknowledge is I saw that responding out of fairness as a lesser form of love Mm -hmm. and it's not right it's not a lesser form of love but it's like this bias that I'm like acknowledging and needing to break down because that just it's been built up within me now well I think we all have something within us that we feel is better, superior. Um, it's hard to name it. It's really hard to admit it. I am. And, but I think it also helps us get back to that, that self limiting narrative for me. And this, I mean, very much related to my strengths as well. I was labeled as gifted as a kid. I was smart. You're the smartest one in our family. You're so brilliant. You've, you know, you're, your test scores are outrageously high. You're so smart. And then I get to points of life where I've made what I believe to be foolish decisions when I was in my heart. And I am absolutely devastated by feeling stupid. Like cannot get over it, can't get past it. It is like a hole that I will go into because of the label of you're so smart has made me feel like I'm better. 
Mm-hmm. Like I should do better. I should achieve better. I should know better. If I was actually to name one of my self-limiting beliefs is the phrase, you should know better. Mm-hmm. And this is hard work to us. Like this is, mm-hmm. this is growth work. This is self-discovery. This is, you know, we talk about it all the time that self-awareness is tremendously underrated. Well, self-awareness in your deep, dark is even harder to do, yep, yep. but it is, it's absolutely the gateway in knowing yourself. Mm-hmm. Like what are my limiting beliefs? What are my implicit biases about, you know, mm-hmm. strengths about love languages, about how people prioritize. We talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. And I love that, um, Tony, Tony responded yeah. to with, you know, so great. that's a, that's a Dave Shapiro, um, quote that I held on to that, um, mm-hmm. You know, how you spend your time and money is a direct reflection of your priorities. Mm-hmm. I don't get to choose other people's priorities. Yep. We don't get to choose how other people show love. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't get to do that. However, walking into relationships or being in relationship with others, we talk a lot about that word grace. Mm-hmm. And my youngest called out this word the other day. He said, I have had it with you using that word. He said, it only goes so far. You're like, well, you got to extend this person grace. You got to grant some grace here. You got to give a little bit of grace. So I've been trying to find a different word. And I think one that I love that that word. I do too. But I think one that comes to mind is again, forgiveness, but also humility. Mm -hmm. Like I have to be able to walk in. I don't always get this right either. Mm -hmm. So can you accept me as a human walking on this human path with you? And that I won't always get it right. And that I will get stuck in, in narratives and I will have implicit bias and I will get in the basement of my strengths. Mm -hmm. If you can, if you have people around you that can grant you that kind of grace and forgiveness and true worth, that's Lauren's word of the year worth Mm -hmm. things will, things will evolve in a way that you can't really predict. That's good. So you doing this hard naming is going to allow you to grow in what probably feels really stretching, like maybe yeah. even physically uncomfortable, but it's required. Mm-hmm. For sure, right? Like I, at in one way, right? Like this was like a double take, right? My first take was like gut-wrenching, like just like rock dropping at the bottom of my gut. Like I am devastated that this is how I feel and I have been functioning implicitly, right? The very next moment was like, oh, yay, something to work on. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> like, this is like, like, yes, I don't think I realized this. And self-revelation to me is so, so good because I think it's because my context, right? Because my context immediately then goes through my entire life history that I can remember mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. where were all the moments where I felt this feeling and I recognized it? And where have these moments, right, been been functioning under the radar unrecognized? But Tess, that's the cultural anthropology mm-hmm. that we have to do of our own, our own dig. Like yeah. we have to do our own dig. I'm, Speaking I'm my way language, older or, or than you. <laughs> I mean, I'm way older than you and I have not done the dig. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, here in this space now that I'm in where I can't, I'm not, I can't make the excuse that I have to take care of somebody else. I can't make the excuse that, oh, I need somebody else's opinion. Like I just have to be in me, in the aloneness, in the choice of 
this is this is where you got to figure your your yourself out. It's hard, mm-hmm. and I think and this would be a whole nother Jenna Milling. It's going to be a blog post that's going to make a whole bunch of my <laughs> friends and family mad. But <laughs> the party of one is not the party everybody thinks it is. It is not. It is <laughs> really really hard really hard because what kind of party of one are you at i mean (laughs) my party of one has been a blast so far i've never wanted to leave the party (laughs) i have not been a party of one since i was five years old i know yeah so it's unfamiliar which Mm -hmm. is again that excavation and that deep archaeological dig (laughs) but also back to the newness it's new to me. Mm-hmm. And at 46 to have aloneness be new to me, that's weird. Mm-hmm. That's weird <laughs> for most people because my friends and family are not in that same space. So I do think this is a great question for us to pose. And I would love if our, our listeners could be raw and honest. Mm-hmm. Do you have a strength that brings implicit bias? Mm-hmm. I can almost promise you, and I won't be offended, Wu is going to be right up there. Oh, for sure. Woo is, woo either wins you over or you can't stand it. Yep. And I think that it, depending on what it looks like in people, i become so much more aware of this. I am sure, I used this phrase the other day and I think I've used it here before. You can be the juiciest peach, but not everybody likes peaches. For woos, <laughs> for, for those of us with high woo, we just want to be the juiciest peach to mm-hmm. all all the peach tasters all like the peach you, <laughs> even if you don't trust their palate even if you think wow they don't even know what they're talking about they don't know peaches you mm-hmm. still have this again the saboteur of people pleasing is come on and like it what's the matter with you that you mm-hmm. don't i mean we even carry our own crap with that yeah. so i think be a great question to ask our, our listeners. Mm-hmm. Is there a strength that you could honestly, vulnerably, and in the safe space that we create here mm-hmm. out so to? So you have theme bias, yep. What's your theme? Yep. What's a theme that you have bias about? I know mm-hmm. I, self-assurance is one that's um Yeah, well, I could tell you that's a bias for you. <laughs> yeah. And you know why? For me, it's just jealousy. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's theme envy. It's, um, I wish I could, I wish I had, this would benefit mm-hmm. me so much more. Um, I think yep. that's a good thing yeah. to ponder. That is good. That is good. Mm-hmm. And also bias. I think a good way to think about it, if you're like, gosh, I don't know if I have any like outright bias is to look at what you do have. Right. I'm like, I feel like sometimes so much of my, or even just like positive bias, like I love my context so much. I love that's my theme. And I think it's such an underrated theme in the Gallup world. Like we don't celebrate context enough, um, in my opinion. Um, and so I just realized like, um, you know, every time I respond to a question or respond to a prompt or do like work when it comes to strengths, I usually like to focus on my context, right? Which then like just makes me predisposed to, um, to things that are contrary to that, right? I wrote about context in the balcony and basement and context in the basement looks like functioning with a team of futuristic people. And not that I don't love to dream about the future, but when people are functioning fully in their futuristic, it leads them to so much into this point and this goal and this end result of the future that they don't forget to think about the current circumstances and the past 
um, life experiences that have led and predicated the likelihood of achieving that goal. Um, And so I'm like, you can't think about a future goal and not reckon with the present and the past. You can't. But that's also how I function. I'm like, because I function with context number one, adaptability number two, right? So I'm like, I can't not think about a future goal without understanding what got me to even ideate about that goal, to set that goal, right? And people that I'm around are not like that. There's a lot of strategic thinkers in this organization that have high futuristic, that have high strategic, that have these these strengths that are powerful in and of themselves, but I have built up not as much as consistency, I've realized, but like built up some bias around like when the past is neglected, I get upset um, because it's important to understand where we've been. And that's because I have high consistency, right? So like, I think if people are struggling with it, you can look to what you do have and to say, how is, how is that, how does that manifest itself when it's not honored? And that can be defined as basement, right? But like, yeah. And I have low, low context. However, I think it's, it's my woo input that says, please honor that I've been here for coming on 12 years. Mm-hmm. Please, please hear that I've walked through this before. And I would just like you to honor the fact that this is my hard work. That's maybe my high achiever too. So two things, Tess, um, reckoning is a word that I've been searching for. And I'm glad that you use the word reckon because I think this, this whole dialogue is like a point of reckoning. Like when you, when you get into the deep archeological dive, it's reckoning. It's, it, and I'm going to even add the W on top of that. It could be reckoning. It could like wreck mm. you, you up. You as you reckon. Um, yeah. As Ooh, you're going good. through the reckoning. But the other thing I wanted to point out is for years now, I have said one of the things I learned from you when I talk about introductory strengths learning is that not only is it like an aha moment when we see those words on the screen and we just start to dive into our, those definitions and we're like, oh my gosh, what? And I say, it's as if someone has been following me around my whole life, writing down how I do things in this quirky, interesting Mm -hmm. way. And your first response was, wait, what? Not everybody (laughs) thinks like I do? Yep. (laughs) So I think you actually came to a reckoning of Mm -hmm. the implicit bias that you feel Mm -hmm. long before you named it. Yeah, for sure. Because you, you were like, doesn't everybody think like this? Yeah, it's like, aren't there maps in everyone's head? And, like, I acknowledged because I would encounter people that didn't have it, right? So I knew not everyone did, but I don't think I sat and contemplated that reality. So my mind blow was different than yours, but Mm -hmm. yours is now provided a reckoning Mm -hmm. years down the road. Mm -hmm. And that, that's where the good stuff happens. This is, this is probably, um, as, as far as one of our podcast episodes, not, not the warm fuzzy for sure. We're not good at warm fuzzy anyway. <laughs> oh, oh, your face. Excuse I, was, me. I was like, I, I feel like we always get super honest, but like I, this may be even more I, so. I used but. to be good at warm fuzzy. I'm, <laughs> I think, so I always do this. I go, I, I, in my brain, I say, if today I took the strengths assessment, what would it look like? Would mm-hmm. woo be in the tank? Would empathy be in the tank? If the past month of where I have had this reckoning and revelation that people who I have trusted their opinion are talking behind my back has just mm-hmm. pissed me off to some kind of level that I can't even, it's hard for me to reckon with it. Where, what would that do to my relator? Mm-hmm. Would yeah. my relator, relator be like, 
we're going to show up now. Yep. <laughs> um, and so I'm starting to um, think about the t- going back to my IFS class that I've taken mm-hmm. about naming your parts. I'm starting to think about my strengths as parts too, that I can yeah. call upon on dip. Like, hey, the army of woo needs to show up now. Or, mm-hmm. hey, you guys can all just take a break because we're not going anywhere. Like those kinds of things, I'm starting to be intentional. Carpenter knows their tools. A surgeon yeah. knows their in- instruments. That's what the yeah. intention of strengths is about. And I think, Tess, what you're getting to is a sharpening of your tools. Yep. I would agree. I would agree. But mm-hmm. it, it's it's not going, it's going to, it's going to feel raw and hard to do when oh, you start yeah. naming the difficult. Yep. I love this Proud kind of, of stuff, but Proud also it's you. hard work. Yeah, it's hard work. Oh, that's good. Oh my gosh. Okay. So apart from a theme that you might have built up some bias around or a theme that has bias that you need to recognize, I also think it would just be good to ask people. I think the start of this, we kind of talked about what we've learned about strengths recently. So no matter how seasoned you are or how um, freshly minted you are, that's my new parallel because I was called out on calling people new and old. Um, today um and so i am now talking about people as freshly minted or seasoned so if you are freshly minted or if you are seasoned when it comes to strengths um share with us a recent revelation you've had about your strengths or the strengths of people around you um, because our journey to learn about strengths our journey to mature in strengths is never done and so we are mm. evidence of that <laughs> here for you today. So that's what we'd love for our follow-up to be. Um, in the meantime, thanks everybody for tuning in to this episode 81 of Jen and Millie. If you enjoyed today's conversation, consider sharing this episode with a friend um, and interact with us and share the responses that we posed. Feel free to email us. A lot of people do or follow us on Instagram at Jen and Millie. That's at G-E-N-N-A-N-D-M-I-L-L-I-E. And as you now know, the icons on Instagram, the posts on Instagram come from Canva. So, <laughs> which Allie didn't know about <laughs> The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are exclusively that of Allison Horn and Tess Darwin. It may not reflect the views of Teenage Mentoring Program at large. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Until next time.